Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. If you love your boxing and your MMA, this is the show for you. Fight Night Extra with me, Gareth A. Davis, and one half of the Fight Disciples, Nick Pete. Today, we'll be unpacking the best of the weekend's action. What next for Alicia Baumgardner, the unified super featherweight champion who called out three other unified world champions, including Katie Taylor and Chantel Cameron, after defending her titles at the weekend against Christina Leonardo II in Detroit. It looks like Chris Eubank Jr. and Liam Smith will meet again in September. Eubank all but confirmed the rematch on social media after it had been heavily reported he would seek a fight with Conor Ben instead. We'll get into that. We'll also hear from Carl Froch, who's defended Rob McCracken after Anthony Joshua criticised his coaching methods when the two were working together. Plus, Nick is in London which can mean only one thing. The UFC is back in town. We'll look ahead to the weekend's card and the return, finally, of Tom Aspinall. So much to get through. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Mr. Pete, how are you? Very well, buddy. Glad to be down in London. Big fight week, so very exciting, but... It's all happening, isn't it? You know, next next week especially in boxing, as we know, with Inoue in action against Fulton and Spence Crawford. Fight sports is booming right now, my friend. It's a good time to be a fight fan. Yes, indeed. Uh, UFC Fight Night we'll get into shortly. Aspinall versus Tybura. It brings you to London, the number five Aspinall and the number 10 in the heavyweight division, the UFC's heavyweight division. Lot of jeopardy there for Tom Aspinall on Saturday night. We'll get into that shortly. Great to see him back, though. Um, look, Baumgardner's uh, defeat of Leonardo II, um, a brilliant performance on Saturday night. She really is one of the outstanding women now. We look back to the victory over Michaela Meyer. Leonardo II was the only woman that had beaten her. Um, I think it was an eight-round fight on points a few years ago. But she's the unified or undisputed uh, super featherweight champion. Incredible physique, great social media presence. She's a bad girl, but she's a good girl. She's all these things. And I think she's becoming a superstar. Um, She has so many exciting fights that could be made in women's boxing right now around that weight class. And as we've seen with Tasha Jonas, with Claressa Shields, even with Savannah Marshall, 
They're going, Terry Harper, they're going up and down the weight divisions. Fantastic victory, avenging defeat and retaining her belts. She was outstanding, you know, to, to do that, to avenge the one loss on a professional record with that kind of performance. And it was everything, wasn't it? She owned it from start to finish out in Detroit, from the ring walk right until the final bell. It was her show. She completely owned it, and she proved that she is a big enough star to carry her own show like that as well, which was obviously broadcast on a global scale. Um, what I love about women's boxing right now is it's delivering what men's boxing so often struggles to do, and that's one weight, one champion, undisputed, and then it's quick conversations to go, right, okay, what other weight divisions can I move into, as you touched on then? She's already talking about moving up and fighting Chantel Cameron, moving up and fighting potentially Katie Taylor, calling on Natasha Giannis. You know, it's fantastic. And I think from a fight fan's perspective, we know the strength and depth isn't there in women's boxing. But what that means is the best are fighting the best across different weight classes as well. And that just makes it so much more entertaining. It means that the big fights are happening and they're happening more frequently. I really like, um, obviously we mentioned uh, Katie Taylor and Chantel Cameron there. I really like the style matchup with her and Amanda Serrano, by the way. I think stylistically it'll be a brilliant fight. And I think it's a real test for her because of the hand speed of, uh, of Serrano. Love to see that fight. And also, of course, American audience. Because, you know, the thing is about Gardner. She really, I think, deserves credit for being one of the most improved women out there. I agree with your point uh, about women's fights being made. I think it's sometimes... I had Lucy Wildhart with me the other day who challenged Michaela Meyer on 30 mm -hmm. hours' notice, if you recall, uh, mm -hmm. recently. Um, and, you know, that women don't earn as much as the men, or a lot of the women don't. And I think that the the... The hastening of the divisions, the, the coming together of the fighters, the very best, is because of that. And I remember asking Lucy, do you think at some point in the future, women will be on eight-figure sums? Um, it may happen. It may happen down the line. We're still a long way from it. It's still embryonic. But as you say, they're, they're creating great legacy and great history at the moment. Um, as she says, I'm great and I'm getting better. Good luck to her. Amanda Serrano would be the fight, wouldn't it, Gareth? You know, I think that's a big fight at MSG. That would absolutely sell Serrano, of course, with Jake Paul right behind her now as well. She's got that promotional powerhouse that he brings and his audience. I think Baumgartner's, she's really kind of put some distance between herself and Michaela Meyer now because there was the whole conflict of Meyer saying, well, you know, I came on strong enough. I, I thought I nicked it. I actually agreed that with the judges. I thought Baumgartner did enough early on to, to, win, those, to win that fight. But going into this fight this weekend, I was a little bit like, okay, well, she'll do this and then she'll avenge this only loss on the record and then surely she'll go back and she'll do that fight again. But actually, the performance was that good. I'm like, okay, well, let's move her forward now. I'm afraid to say she gets to move forward. She doesn't tread water. And I think you're right. Out of all those fights that she's talked about, she speculated about moving up and down weight divisions. Actually, it's the girl from the weight division below, Amanda Serrano. For me, that brings more eyeballs to, to that weight division and obviously potentially adds to Serrano's legacy as well. Just throwing it in there while we're talking about women's boxing. Um, I think I've got big eyes on Caroline Dubois and Lauren Price at the moment to watch their progress in women's boxing. I think um, we 
are watching the emergence of two potential stars for the next three, four, five years in those two as well. How do you think those two match up to some of these world champions at the moment? Obviously, they're in a higher weight category, uh, Dubois and, and Price. But to me, I mean, I haven't spoken to you about them before. To me, they look like absolute talents, particularly, I know people are, are underlining and highlighting Dubois. I think Price is very, very special. When you look at what Lauren accomplished in the amateurs, you know, she won medals at pretty much every tournament there is to medal at. And she won it decisively as well. She hardly drops around during some of these tournaments. She was incredible at the Olympic Games. And she does look like a lock-in. You know, I, I would put her in a world title fight tomorrow. I really would. I think she'd give Natasha Jonas a real fight right now in and around those weight divisions and anybody in and around those weight divisions as well. With Caroline... You get a feeling she's a, she's got the potential still to be a generational talent, to be the type of talent that can come through and take women's boxing to a completely new level, both in her stardom and in and her, and her raw talent as well. I think she could be a potential multi-weight world champion. She hasn't got anywhere near the miles on the clock that Lauren Price has got. You know, and don't forget Lauren competed at a very high level across many sports, not just boxing. You know, she was a she was a Welsh international captain. Uh, she fought. She played for the Welsh international senior team when she was still a teenager. That was before she focused on boxing, which came after a kickboxing uh, yeah. s- solid campaign as well. So I think Caroline's just that little bit fresher, um, and, and obviously I'm aware that you know that the split for, with her brother from Shane McGuigan didn't involve Caroline. That was a family dispute. Caroline remains with Shane McGuigan. I think Shane is the perfect coach to have Caroline Dubois as well. And I think when you get to the end of both careers, yes, I believe Lonham becomes a world champion and becomes a star. But I think Caroline Dubois has got the potential to become a superstar. Also worth noting on that card in Detroit on Saturday night, uh, Ed, the guy that Eddie Hearn si- signed, Andy Cruz, um, the Cuban signing pro terms at the age of 27 with matchroom boxing, uh, one Olympic Games uh, championship medal, three world championship medals, uh, like welterweight. Um, in the World Amateurs and, and Olympic Games in Tokyo at lightweight, uh, winning his first fight against Juan Carlos Burgos, who is rather a gatekeeper. Um, mm-hmm. But he is a sensation. He adds to that lightweight division. And it's worth marking the fact, if you're listening to this, that um, Andy Cruz is someone to really watch. He's a beautiful boxer, great skills. And I don't think it'll take him more than 10 fights to catch these other guys up in this electric lightweight division. Are you excited by this guy, Cruz, Nick? Mate, it, it was the highlight of the weekend for me, to be totally honest with you, Gareth. I've been such a big fan of his. Obviously, I followed his campaign through the Olympic Games in Tokyo en route to a gold medal. He picked up the Val Barker trophy from that Olympic Games as the most outstanding boxer across all weight divisions. And he truly is a, a, a wonderful talent based out of Miami, of course, like so many of these Cubans are when they when they defect over. But this is a guy that, I'll be honest, Gareth, if we're still waiting for him to have a world title fight by his 10th fight, I'll be devastated. You know, come on, Eddie, what are we waiting for? <laughs> this guy is like Lomachenko. You know, Lomachenko fought for a, 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 in a world title eliminator and his second fight was in world title fights inside three or four fights. I would be exactly the same with Andy Cruz. And the beauty of Andy Cruz's position right now, he's moving into a lightweight division that for the last couple of years has been dominated by Devin Haney. Well, Devin Haney's now announced, I'm leaving the lightweight division, I'm moving up to a weight class, which means that those four world title belts that he brought together 
are about to be fragmented. Now, I don't think Andy Cruz will be able to jostle into position to get a straight shot at one of those belts inside the next six months. But absolutely, with Eddie Hearn behind him and Eddie Hearn's pull, I think he can be manoeuvred into a world title shot, certainly by next spring or summer. I believe it will be that quick. Inside 12 months, Andy Cruz will at least fight for a world title. Oh, great call. Um, And also, Josh Kelly, obviously, revamped as a super welterweight or a light middleweight, as someone of my age calls it, making light work of Gabriel Corzo and moving a step closer to a potential world title shot. He's a rejuvenated, let's say, since that loss a couple of years ago to David Avenician. He's rebuilt himself. Um, he looks confident. Physically, he looks better at the weight. Can he go all the way, in your view? I think so, yeah. I think talent-wise, on the eye, you know, there's a reason why they call him Pretty Boy Josh, because when you watch him box, if you're a boxing purist, you can, not, you can only appreciate the skills that he's got. My only criticism of Josh, and it's been the same criticism for the last few years, is that... It's like he knows how good he is and he'll he'll unleash a beautiful four-punch combo that ends with a lovely slip and rip to the body. And he has this habit of stepping back and admiring his own work or at least allowing the room to go, wow, did you see that? And he doesn't, for me, just doesn't have that predatory switch. And I, that that's my only concern about going to the next level. That was my big concern about David Avanesian fight. Avanesian's a truly world-class welterweight, don't get me wrong. That was always a, a very high-risk fight. But I had no issue going into that fight and after it was he lost because I, I kind of thought it would be a bit too much too soon for Josh Kelly. That's how it proved. But I didn't change my mind about Josh Kelly. I was still like, okay, we had that barometer. You weren't quite ready. Let's manoeuvre you this way. And that's what that's what he's done now with Wasserman. Um, I think he will fight for a world title, but I think it would have to be the right opponent at the right time. I think skill for skill, he can beat anybody over 12 rounds. But at some point, you know yourself, Gareth, you've got to be able to rock some of these champions. Exactly. Onto Carry power up. That's the key. Yeah. That's yeah. the key. You've got, yeah. well, you know, when, when, when the proverbial hits the fan, you've got to be able to make that guy go backwards if he's coming forwards and overwhelming you. And that's my fear with Josh. Does he have the zip in his punches? And does he have that killer instinct, which as soon as he gets someone hit, he goes in for the finish. That's, that's the only thing missing from his game. Talent-wise, he's got it all. Hold it there for a second, Nick. Great stuff. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we'll talk about Anthony Joshua and his comments made towards former trainer Rob McCracken. And we'll get stuck into the UFC in London this weekend with Nick. Next up, though, it looks like we're getting Smith versus Eubank 2 instead of Eubank versus Ben. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2 with me, Gareth Davis, and him, one half of the Fight Disciples, Nick Pete. Nick, Smith, Eubank, yeah, Liam Smith, Chris Eubank, two looks set for September. Uh, at the time of recording, it's not officially announced, but who knows, it may be announced during the show. Eubank all but confirmed it on social media. Ben Shalom, the boxer promoter working with Sky, says Smith is 100% fit too. It's been on-off this fight. Um, why has Eubank chosen this over a Conor Ben fight? Obviously, the delayed Conor Ben fight that never happened last October because of the two cases of clomiphene. That case is ongoing, of course, at the moment and coming to a head, we hear. Does it tell us 
anything about Ben's ongoing case. Lots of intrigue here, Nick. You felt that Eubank, not you, but one felt that Eubank would probably sway towards uh, the Conor Ben fight uh, at middleweight. It suits him more, but he's going with Smith. Maybe it does tell us something about Ben's ongoing case. Yeah, and also in the last couple of days as well, uh, the WBC have removed Conor Ben from their welterweight rankings as well. He no longer appears in their top 30, I think it is. So potentially that suggests some some movements imminent on the Conor Ben situation. You've probably heard the rumours as much as I have, Gareth, that's as likely to be announced as uh, as Smith Eubank too in the, in the coming hours and days. So... Hopefully there is movement on that. I think Conor Ben needs it. We need it. Boxing absolutely needs to be able to move forward. But yeah, that would suggest to me that Conor's probably going to be unavailable. And that means that Eubank and Smith can move forward with this rematch. And listen, I was ringside for the first fight up in Manchester. I believe this second one's going to be at the O2 down here in London. Something Liam's super excited about. It's the only venue, major venue in the UK. He's not he's not a main event at that. Um, but the the rematch itself, I think it's happening because a lot of people went to Manchester, a lot of people tuned into that first fight and were completely bought in on the narrative that Eubank, like the old man, is a chip off the old block, cannot be hurt and will be too physically big and will walk, walk through Liam Smith. And I think a lot of people turned the televisions off that night, turned the radios off that night and walked home from that arena thinking, what have I just seen? I can't yeah. believe that's just happened. Liam Smith just wiped out Chris Eubank Jr. And I think Jr. himself has got a little bit of a hangover to say, did that happen? And there's a lot of this lucky punch stuff. Come on, man. I, I was there. I was meters away. Liam Smith took him apart, and it was a sensational performance. One of the best performances of Smith's career. But the, re- but the rematch, I get it. I get why we're seeing it. You know, it reminds me of when Tony Bellew fought David. Hey, there's a lot. still some questions to be answered. Did he get lucky? Did Eubank take his eye off the ball? There will be no more conversations after this rematch. And that's why we're getting it. And I think the British boxing audience want to see it. The, f- the thing for me is it's difficult to see what Eubank, obviously he's going to hold his hands up more this time. His hands were too low. Um, I mean, it, it was going well for him up to that point in round four, wasn't it? But Liam was cleverly stalking him, um, taking nothing away again from Liam. And I've said this several times. I just wonder about the weight cut that Eubank was going through, something his father, Eubank Sr., highlighted the whole way along but I just wonder Nick what he's going to do differently in this second fight that's going to make a huge difference I think it'll be a better fight I think it'll be a longer fight I think it could be a war again Um, but it's we know how Eubank boxes and we know what Liam's going to do and a lot of insiders in the sport I wasn't amongst them on this occasion felt that Smith, and it wasn't a, a Liverpool bias, if you like, you would have picked Smith anyway. Oh, I did. Of, yeah, exactly. oh, I did. You'd have, picked, you'd have picked him whether you thought he was going to lose on it. No, I, I jest. Um, we pick who we think will win. But a lot of insiders felt that Liam Woods, who's a very rugged fighter, very yeah. direct, rugged. I mean, those fights with Liam Williams. The, mm-hmm. I mean, the only fight he's really struggled in is the Canelo fight. Um, where Canelo got to him, bigger guy. Um, and I think, I say struggled, he, he, he also put a big, big battle up that night. But the, the thing is, Smith 
will inch his way into into Eubank again. He will go in with great confidence. I don't particularly see a different outcome this time, but I didn't see Eubank crumbling in that way. I saw if Liam was going to beat him, he, he'd outpoint him. That Eubank would would do that thing where he kind of relaxes and stops working during a fight when he gets comfortable. That's how yeah. I saw Smith potentially winning it. Um, but, you know, we can't predict these things, but the, 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 the lack of tensile strength in that first round does make Smith a huge favourite for me going into this. I think so. I think it will do well with numbers. I think fans will obviously be, be receptive to it and, and turn out in force once again. You know, Manchester that night, Felt like uh, it could have been in Liverpool, you know, there was that many Scousers travelled up the M62 and I think we'll see a, a similar thing come down south for the weekend in London because Smith, as a family unit, are a big draw, you know, the city yeah. are very proud of those four brothers that have done, I don't think there's ever been four brothers in world boxing that have achieved what they've achieved at the level they've achieved it at. All of them fought for world titles, they were all British champions, like the the pedigree is absolutely there and it's solid. The foundations are completely solid with Liam. And that's the question mark about Junior. The reputation's there and the name is there, but the pedigree isn't, I'm afraid to say. He just hasn't fought at the calibre Liam Smith has consistently fought at and he hasn't fought against the level of opposition that Liam Smith has consistently as well. I know he's had his, his big nights, Chris. He had a big night against James DeGale, a big night against... Arthur Abram, of course, those were his big wins. But he's also come down short in big domestic fights like, like this one. And I think he will, listen, I think Chris will be rejuvenated. He will come at it with a different attitude. But he's still training himself, Gareth. You know, what is very quiet, role? Nick. He's yeah, what, very, is, very quiet as Is well. Roy Jones Jr. still involved? Yeah. Is yeah. Ronnie Davis training him? Yeah. Is he calling the shots? Like his, his career has just been absolutely crazy when you look at what goes on behind the doors. Whereas with Liam Smith, you know he's in that gym Consistent. three times a day with his brothers, with Joe McNally, who's been like a breath of fresh air to him as well. And they've just got a little bit of magic in the bottle in that gym in Liverpool, where they all started as juniors as well. It's the very same gym, the Rotunda. That's where they're based out of. So, so yeah, I think it will take a monumental performance from Chris Eubank Jr. to turn this one around because Chris will be better, Gareth. But Liam knows now. He knows in his head. I knew I could hate him, but now I've done it for real. And this time I'll hate him even more. Absolutely. Real jeopardy for Eubank going into this. You mentioned the Callum... Uh, you met, sorry, you mentioned the Smith um, unit, as they are the four brothers, um, and uh, of course, let's let's mention that Callum Smith faces Arta Baturbiev at the wow. vid, uh, yeah. Centre Vidéotron, Quebec City, on uh, the nineteenth of August in a massive fight for three of the world light heavyweight titles. Um, the big announcement. Um, of course, that's coming in the light heavyweight division is um, Joshua Boatsi facing Dan Aziz. One of the fights we really needed here in the UK um, because it's a stacked division. Obviously, Callum's fighting for the world title, as I say, but Anthony Yard doesn't have a fight at the moment. Boatsi and Aziz is the right movement forward. Boatsi's also beaten Craig Richards in the last year as well. We have mm -hmm. to praise the fact that he wants these fights. He switched allegiance from Eddie Hearn 
to, to Ben Shalom, Sky and Boxer, and thank God they're making this fight. This is a really exciting fight. Aziz should get the best out of Boatsy. I favour Boatsy, Nick, as a slight favourite in this. Both undefeated, of course, 17 and 19 fights respectively, Aziz and Boatsy. Looking forward to it. I can't wait. It's a, it's a sensational fight. You know, you've got the technician, the Olympian, the guy who turned pro with all this momentum, but as yet, let's be honest, to really catch fire. Um, and then you've got in the opposite corner, Dan Aziz, who came through the, the university's kind of boxing leagues, then turned pro, and he's just turned into this absolute wrecking ball. You know, I've been so impressed with Dan Aziz's progress to get to this level. And I've been so frustrated by the lack of progress, in my opinion, in Buati's career, where he seems to have ducked and slid and moved out of the way of big fights that would have moved him forward. You know, if you, you compare him, he went to the same Olympic Games as Lawrence Coley. Lawrence Coley won everything there is to win, British, Commonwealth, European and a world title. Josh Buati's had one British title fight in his career. You know, that's just not good enough. And potentially, Gareth, Josh Boatze is the best light heavyweight in this country. And as you've just read out then, some of the names, you talk about world-class fighters, Callum Smith, a former undisputed champion down at super middleweight. You know, and the fact that Boatze could be the best of the bunch, but we just don't know at 175 because he he just hasn't had the fights. Well, this is a real fight, this one. This is a real jeopardy fight. And listen, fingers crossed if Callum Smith does come through and gets Viterbiev at the right time and becomes a two-weight world champion. The winner of this fight is in pole position to say, okay, I'll have a shot at the at the new champion and we'll make it a stadium fight in the UK. That's that's, that's what's at stake here. And I know what Aziz is going to turn up. I know what version of Dan Aziz will walk into that ring. The version that we've seen last time get better and better and better. And it will be yeah. the best version of Dan Aziz we've ever seen. Yeah, vibrant and tenacious as he is. He's been in the studio. Honestly, he's, he's made for TV, Gareth, isn't he? He's yeah, got a absolutely. made for TV style. Absolutely. He's got, he's got the got question those... marks for me are surround Mr. Buatzi. Yeah, Where's Buatzi at? Yeah, he's got, um, he's got the laugh of uh, Frank Bruno and the tenacity of, of many great British uh, fighters. Um, one of the things I would also add to that is Buatzi, to what you said, is Buatzi, of course, has... Um, turned down the opportunity to fight Dimitri Bivol because he doesn't want to rush his career. Time will tell on whether that was the right decision or not. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. We'll chat UFC this weekend with Nick. A long-awaited return for heavyweight Tom Aspinall, of course, headlining at the O2 Arena. Next up, though, we'll talk Anthony Joshua and his relationship with trainer Derek J- Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This one's a banger. Release your anger. I told him straight, then look, I knocked you out clean when we fought. But I said, let's forget about that, because we both developed. So let's prove who's a better fighter now. Don't understand us when we speak in slang like Surely no way up here for Dylan White. It's stopped. It's over. AJ says, I think we should fight Dillian White. He's a great fight for the British public. He's dangerous. I'm dangerous. Dylan, the body snatcher. It's a with division. You can't bank on... You have to take what is there, man. I think it's a good fight, um, good domestic dust-up, and if anyone can bring that fire back, it's going to be Dillian. The styles are perfect for him to go and see if the old Anthony Joshua is still there. And by the way, if you do lose to Dillian White, you're done anyway. This is a fight. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2 with me, Gareth Davis, and him, one half of the Fight Disciples, Nick Pete. Now, Anthony Joshua had some choice comments for his former coach, Rob McCracken, speaking on the Boxing News podcast. Obviously, AJ was with McCracken all the way through the amateurs, his Olympic gold medal, and for almost a decade of his professional career, up to that first defeat by Oleksandr Usyk at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Here's what he had to say. Rob's a really good coach. The only thing I say is that, look at Froch's nose. That's Carl Froch, of course. He, McCracken, just didn't teach me defence. In heavyweight boxing, he says, the level of competition I was facing at that stage in my career, I was getting hit way too much with clean shots, in my opinion. Well, who was in TalkSport studio this week but Carl Froch himself? And he says that the split from Rob McCracken by Joshua was actually mutual. Listen to this. Well, why is he being so sensitive? I mean, he's a, he's a big lad. He's a professional fighter. And somebody's got um, a bit of constructive criticism to put his way. He should, he should take that, especially from somebody who's won four world titles and has recently been inducted into the Hall of Fame. So get that in there for a little minute. But the people that's coming <laughs> we in... did celebrate that with you the other week. No, we? we did, we did. But what I'm saying is, it's, it's, no, it's, no, it's no personal, like... Vendetta against AJ. I mean, people have suggested that because he left Rob McCracken, which I've got my reservations about that. I think it was more of a mutual agreement. Rob maybe not wanting to work with AJ as much as AJ not wanting to work with Rob. So there's there's no problem. I want AJ to succeed. I want him to do well. It's good if we have a unified, undisputed champion in Britain. We don't want Usyk to take the belts away from, from our country. We want to keep him here. So whether it's Fury or AJ, I don't care. Let's keep the heavyweight boxing scene alive in Britain. AJ's got to be able to take some criticism on the chin when he's underperforming. Dirty linen after the event? A little bit. A little bit. You've got to remember what Rob McCracken did for AJ's career, you know, exactly. and, and, and he made him a world champion. He got him into that position. 
And I would I'd counter that by saying AJ collected all those knockouts potentially because he was waving his chin in the air a little bit and people got excited and thought, oh, I might be able to land one here. And then AJ would put them to sleep. So to look back on your career, the, the golden years of your career, we can say that right now because AJ is in this position where he seems to be trying to transition into something else. So right now we've only got a barometer on what was the best version of AJ. And the best version of AJ was the guy with Rob McCracken in his corner. So, yeah, I think it, it is a little bit uh, a little bit unusual, to say the least, to see comments like this come from uh, Mr. Joshua. Um, I, I think it's very recidivist to look back at it. And, and I agree with you. I think he was very, very effective in the first 18, 19 fights of his career. Um, he was fearless as well. Mm-hmm. And... We know what Rob's like. He's a fairly um, cautious coach in some ways, as is Derek James, in my view. I think Rob was brilliant for for Anthony Joshua. Um, It it saddens me to hear this in a way because I thought they were a great partnership. Um, And, you know, as was Tony Sims, by the way. The thing is, Joshua's matured and he's looking back on his career. He's taking stock right now and he's having a different look at it. But I don't know. It's a personal thing for him. It was his relationship uh, with Rob McCracken and, and these are fully entitled to his view. The funny thing is, Rob is such a quiet man who keeps things to himself. We'll probably ne- never hear anything from him. And I can imagine asking Rob about it and he'd barely uh, say anything. Joshua also said, Nick, that he wished he'd hooked up with James earlier in his career. Um, You know, it's fascinating. He's obviously very happy. Um, He came across as brilliant at the press conference with Dillian White uh, a couple of weeks ago in London. Um, For me, he seems very happy with Derek James um, and was training with Errol Spence last week, who obviously has a massive fight next week with Terence Crawford that we'll get into. It's a great environment for him. It is a great environment. My concern when you look at the comments, specifically criticising Bob for you know, not teaching him defence, is this because Derek James is having long hours in the gym with AJ? And the complaint says, listen, Anthony, it's going to take a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. And the reason being is you haven't been taught the proper defense for years. So I've got to try and rebuild your game. Is that is that what's really happened there? Because that's kind of how it reads between the lines that Derek James has told AJ, listen, we've got a bigger job than I thought. And don't look at me. It's not my fault. It's probably because you weren't taught it defence properly back in the early stages of your career. So we've got a lot of work to do. That's why reading between the lines, it kind of reads like to me, it's like he's blaming Rob McCracken for the situation he's in now. The situation he's in now is he's trying to reinvent himself as a complete all-round boxer. But that's not what won him an Olympic gold medal. And that's certainly not, not what made him a world champion. It was that all power, all guns blazing, just smashing people to bits. That brave Anthony Joshua that got in there with Klitschko and said, if you hit me twice, I'm going to get up and I'm going to hit you three times. But that guy doesn't exist anymore. That guy diminished the moment Andy Ruiz flatlined him in New York. And since then, AJ's continued to try and reinvent himself. I think he's found a coach that he's happy with. He's in a gym with absolute technicians like Errol Spence. And he's thinking... 
I need to get to where that guy is. The problem is, at this stage of his life, at this stage of his career, is it even possible to reinvent himself that much and that dramatically? I don't know whether it is, and I don't know whether that's the right decision. Listen, he may well turn up, and he may well take Dillian White apart with a boxing masterclass, but is he ever going to close the gap enough to defeat the likes of Alexander Usyk, to defeat the likes of Tyson Fury, who have been technicians their entire career? I don't know whether that's the right way to go. Wrecking Ball Anthony Joshua, for me, has the potential to beat anybody on the planet. But Wrecking Ball Anthony Joshua may not exist anymore and may not want to exist anymore. Yeah, I mean, the Wrecking Ball, like you say, that that ferocious fighting spirit uh, that took him to world championship level, took him to those three belts, carried him through that uh, brilliant fight with Vladimir Klitschko on a brilliant night, of course, in which he crossed over um, to the British public. Um, as a professional, having captured hearts and minds as an Olympic super heavyweight gold medalist 11 years ago now. Um, I, I think I think using his jab and being clever in the Dillian White fight is probably the right strategy. I think he and Derek James have got that right if he is going to try and outbox Dillian White. I think there'll be moments where he will need to let his hands go. Um, they're both older and slower now, and mm-hmm. they're not the raw novices that indulged, I think, as I said to you the other day, in a, uh, I described it as a seven-round bloodlust fight. Um, I think it will be different this time. But it's as it always is with, with AJ, Nick, it's fascinating. Um, you know, um, some people are making the point that he's becoming more active on YouTube, a different persona. Um, he, he's presenting himself in a different way. I, I, I've always found him interesting. We must never forget how as a heavyweight with that Olympic gold and what he did for, for many years, like Froch, bringing fights to Wembley Stadium, um, mm. he changed the landscape um, for British boxing. And he's got a massive legacy behind him, no matter what he does from here on in, whether he goes on to fight Deontay Wilder, whether he fights Tyson Fury, he's still got a massive legacy. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Next up, we'll switch focus to this weekend and chat UFC London with Nick. You're listening to Fight Night Extra with me, Gareth A. Davis, and one half of the Fight Disciples, Nick Pete. Now, Nick's there live and direct at UFC London this week. Uh, it's the return, of course, Nick, of Tom Aspinall. First time back in over a year. How good to have him back and over his catastrophic uh, injury that he had um, against Curtis Blades. Yeah, he obviously blew his knee, his knee out uh, in a headline fight last summer against Curtis Blades. That was you know, him closing in on the top three or four in the heavyweight division. He's still ranked number five, as you said, at the top of the show. But he needs to come back. He needs to come back in style. Listen, I've known Tom an awful long time. You know, he's he's up from, from the northwest, just like me. He trained, spent a lot of years training in Liverpool. And I've followed his career right prior to the UFC, right into the UFC. And he truly is a, a generational athlete. You know, he's a sensational talent, six foot five, 270 pounds of pure muscle, a background in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, former sparring partner of Tyson Fury, sensational kickboxing career as well. He really has ticked every martial art in his journey and in, into the sport of MMA. And he truly is our, our big heavyweight hope. 
out of Europe to challenge for UFC heavyweight gold. But it wasn't until the leg break last year and the subsequent 12 months that I've gone between now and this week where Tom has matured as an athlete to the point now, Gareth, where he's not he's no longer saying, one day I'm going to get there, I need the experience, I need the fights, I'm in no rush, John Jones is at the top of the tree and maybe one day I'll get there. That was the stuff he was saying a year ago. But over the last 12 months, especially with the knee blowing out and him having to reconstruct the knee and having surgery and coming back fitter and stronger, he's had a mentality shift. His mentality now is the exact opposite. Now he feels like, what am I waiting for? I know I've got the talent. I know I've got the ability. He's no longer talking about experience. Now he's talking about what gets me to John Jones the quickest. What's my quickest route to becoming UFC heavyweight champion? Because I, he believes he's the best heavyweight in mixed martial arts today. So he wants to get through Martin Tybora this weekend. And Tybora is an absolute veteran, a real tough fight. Number 10 ranked, as you say. A great comeback kind of barometer opponent. But he wants to put in a big performance, make a statement. Get on that microphone and say, right, what gets me to John Jones? Don't go anywhere, John Jones. You're fighting Stipe in December, uh, November, sorry, in New York. I will be there in New York. I want the next crack at John Jones. Because, listen, anyone that's listening who may not be too familiar with the sport of MMA, John Jones is the current UFC heavyweight champion. But John Jones is also widely recognized as the greatest of all time, the Muhammad Ali of mixed martial arts. And Aspinall wants to get him before he leaves the sport. Fantastic. And I hope he does. Um, it would be amazing if we could get John Jones here to Oof. the UK to fight as well. Stadium. That'd be a stadium, uh, I think. Oh, it'd be amazing. Absolutely amazing. On that note, second fight, uh, UFC event in London, not fight, UFC event in London this year. Last one in March, obviously, Leon Edwards versus Kamara Usman 3, uh, at which Edwards obviously retained his UFC welterweight crown. Will that be it for the year? Or will they be back in Europe or back in London before 2024, in your view? I think the every year now we get a staple. You know, we've always had a staple London event in March, and over the last couple of years since lockdown, we've now had this second date in July. Long may that continue. You know, the UFC's most visited city outside of America has always been London. They've always had a real soft spot for London, and hopefully that continues. They come back to go to Paris at the end of August, the beginning of September this year. That's the second uh, trip to Paris uh, consecutively in years. Cyril Gann. The French heavyweight is in the main event in that one as well. So, you know, the heavyweight division is really moving right now. I think Aspinall versus Gann is inevitably going to happen at some stage in their careers as well. But Gann took on John Jones for the vacant belt when, as we're aware, Francis Ngannou left the sport to take on Tyson Fury, which is a completely different conversation. But John Jones fought Cyril Gann, beat Cyril Gann in the first round. So Cyril Gann's kind of fallen off slightly. But he's looking to rebuild in Paris. But Tom Aspinall this weekend wants to get the jump on everybody by announcing his return and saying, right, I'm the guy. I want John Jones early in 2024. Very, very stacked card last time. Um, Gaethje, Justin Gaethje here as well uh, in March. UFC 286, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Big event. 17,500 people there. Couldn't get a ticket for the event. It's very expensive. Have the UFC overplayed it this time with high ticket prices, do you think? I mean, something we were talking about off air. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think tickets are still available for Saturday night, which is unheard of. You know, I, we've been covering UFC for, for many years, Gareth, haven't we? And I remember, you know, less than a decade ago, UFC going to Nottingham and we were we were pretty much given tickets outside the weigh-ins the day before the fight, giving them away to fans. Of course, the world has completely changed now. And, you know, back in March for the third consecutive event inside 12 months, you could not buy a ticket for the UFC. They were like hen's teeth. You know, they were sold out within minutes. But what happened was the prices went up in March because it was a numbered event. It was a world title fight. It was, you know, very much the best offering UFC can put together. And it sold out and they kept ticket prices the same for this weekend. But with all due respect, this weekend is a UFC fight night. You know, this is not a premier world title event as good as Tom Aspinall is and as talented as a lot of the British fighters are on the undercard. And I think that's we're seeing that at the gate. You know, I think the UFC needs to appreciate that. The UK is still in a, a, an economic crisis right now. And fans have, have spoken with their wallets. People want to attend the event, but it's just so damn expensive. So I, I don't think we'll see a, a, a sellout on Saturday night, which is a real shame for all the fighters that are involved. But I think what it will do is it will just kind of remind the UFC that, you know, there's a ticket price tier and structure for a reason. It's one thing making it a premier price when it's a world title fight, but when it's a fight night, the ticket prices have to come down. I think it's been a learning experience for everybody. And hopefully by the time next March comes around when they return to London again, we see a more responsible ticket price structure. And the meatballs are being cooked this week. The ever-popular Molly McCann co-headlining against Julia Stoliarenka. Um, we'll talk about her in a second, but no sign of Paddy Pimlet on this card, who we've seen is finally, importantly, going mm -hmm. to take his dieting seriously, talking about eating 8,000 calories a day after his fight. Any idea when he'll be back in the octagon? I th I'm hoping it'll be before the end of the year. Uh, I spoke to Paddy just the other day. He's in real good spirits. He's training again now. He's back on the mats. It's a very early stages. He was talking about hopefully uh, October, November. I think it'll probably be more like November, December. There is that big card in, in New York in November, the UFC's 30-year anniversary event headlined by John Jones and Stipe. I think that would be a, an obvious destination for Paddy the Baddy, but... Uh, you know, he'll be in London this weekend. He'll be turning the place up, of course. He'll be supporting Molly in that co-main event slot. And, and Molly brings it, as you know. She's got so much energy. Stoliarenko's a real tough opponent for her. The Gales are former featherweight coming all the way down to flyweight. She's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Molly, of course, a former Golden Gloves boxer, very much a striker. But last year, the two events we had in London in 2022, Molly McCann got knockout of the night on both occasions with spinning elbows. Both those spinning elbows were shortlisted for knockout of the year as well. That's what Molly brings. And you know, I spent a few hours with her yesterday and she said, listen, keep an eye out for the spinning elbows once again, because there's something about London, there's something about my elbows, and there's something about $50,000 bonus checks that I just love. <laughs> Brilliant. Listen, <laughs> one final thing. Really looking forward to this event. You've lit it up for us. Um, one final thing. Is there any truth in the rumour, or is this just internet echo, um, social media echo, that because Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou uh, are fighting in Saudi Arabia on October the 28th, that UFC is planning a massive card that night? Or is that just social media noise? 
I think that might be social media noise. They, they are planning to go to Abu Dhabi in October. Islam Makhachev is, is planning to defend his world lightweight title there. Um, like they do every October, they go back to Abu Dhabi. So I think there will be events in the Middle East around the same time. But I, I doubt. I don't think the UFC are going to go head to head with Francis versus versus Tyson. Let let Francis and Tyson do their thing, uh, and then we'll see what happens in the aftermath. But uh, I don't think they're too concerned about that. Not when they've got the, you know, you could argue the proper baddest man on the planet title going down in New York in November with Jones and Stipe. One more fight to look ahead at this weekend before we say goodbye. Uh, of course, Maxi Hughes, Maximus. Maxi Hughes uh, defends his IBO lightweight title against George Cambosos. Um, Hughes, of course, brilliant victory over Kid Galahad defending his IBO crown. Um, George Cambosos coming back off two defeats to Devon Haney. It's taking place in Shawnee, Oklahoma. Very interested in this and an, an opportunity for Cambosos to get back in the frame, in a sense with a, mm-hmm. what we call a lesser title, uh, world title, but a time for Maxi Hughes to make a name for himself. Great servant to British boxing, great guy. That win over Galahad really propelled him forward. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, and it's, you know, I, I don't think it's the kind of paycheck where he can he can sign off in style and ride off into the sunset, Maxi Hughes, but every champion dreams of fighting in America, dreams of being a defending champion, seeing your name up at lights in another country. It's not Las Vegas, it's not New York, it is Oklahoma, unfortunately. But for Maxi Hughes, this is a legacy-defining opportunity for him, so nobody deserves it more in all of British boxing, Gareth, than Maxi Hughes. Absolutely. Brilliant stuff from you today, Nick. Thank you so much uh, for joining us on Fight Night Extra. I'm Gareth Davis. Don't forget to listen to the podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've got all the boxing and MMA for you at TalkSport. We'll see you next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 